You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform that we have created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Melanie Lindsay, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by Philip Ludovico, Ines and Anton to discuss roadmapping to success through product vision and strategy. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions as to who you are, uh, where you work, you know, and a little bit about what you're about. Um, so Philip, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Philip Martin. Um, I work at Hayslide Studios, um, where I am in charge of the cinematics, um, that whole pipeline. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do. When I'm not in a mocap suit, I'm by a desk clicking buttons like most of us, I guess. And nice, uh, Ludovico. Hey, yeah, I'm Ludovico Celentani. I'm technical director in Frostbite, part of the Core Engine team. Um, joined Frostbite three years ago before worked at King. And when I'm not working, that nowadays is a really limited time. I play games, uh, I have a son, uh, we play together from time to time, and otherwise I would like to go out running and enjoy the nature in Sweden. Nice. Ines? Yes, my name is Ines Quintanar, and I work as a creative lead for the company Star Stable. I'm actually quite new to the gaming industry. I come from a film background. I've worked as a film creative for agencies and companies. Uh, but I'm super excited to start my new journey in the gaming industry, especially with narrative-driven projects. And I'm super happy to be here. Lovely. Uh, Anton? Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm honored to be here with all your guests. Um, so I'm a lead UI, UX, and art director at Kogama. With the headquarters in Stockholm, we also have an office in Copenhagen and Malmö. And uh, Kogama is a... Um, user-generated gaming game platform. It's super true to Roblox. Um, but I also worked as a cinematic artist to relate to it with Philip, so I, I can I can know can hey work you doing. Uh, it's very cool. And uh, I also made some of the first horse and uh, game titles made in, in Sweden some years ago. That was extremely popular and got translated into like twenty languages. So Fully understand also operated from two big uh, horse. Which which horse games? They were called uh, my. The first one was called My Pony. It was yes. Upshaw was Pony Show, and another one was uh, My uh, The Riding School. Uh, I know My Pony. Nice. So I, I can I can fully understand the success of uh, Star State Watson. Okay, well that that would be our next podcast. Uh, horses in gaming. Thank you very much. Lovely. 
Um, all right. So now we have established a context to each of you. Let's move on to the topic in focus. So you all have a question or statement on road mapping to success through product vision and strategy. Um, I will work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it, just to give a bit of context. Uh, each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Um, so let's start with Philip and your question, please, sir. Right. So, um, I've, I've, I'm finding myself uh, struggling with this question myself. Uh, this is something I've been thinking a lot about, especially the, la the latter years. The older I get, the more, the deeper I dive into the creative uh, processes that we're all kind of involved in, uh, the more I find that this question keeps resurfacing and it kind of speaks a little bit to process. Like in what order do we do th things? Uh, so the core of my question is uh, what takes priority? Is it substance or presentation? Um, and I, I would I would love to hear you guys' take on that. Just kind of your gut feeling. Um, and, and I'd love to kind of further discuss it as well. Uh, so Ines, what's your what's your perspective on, on on whether you would like to prioritize? You could you can answer it however you like. But if if there is a prioritization happening. Which one of them would you prioritize? Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Philip, but I can't choose one or the other. <laughs> it's a it's a hard question to answer. To me, the success relies on a gray area. It's never black or white. And I think that usually it depends on the department that you work on and the framework and how what you've studied, what, how you've been brought up. Usually technical roles are more into substance. They're more into the detail and the need of things and everything needs to be super perfect and prepared. But a lot of the times they don't want to say lack, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> they lack the way they present the idea uh, and it gets too technical. So everything gets lost in translation. And in the end, um, it's harder for them to, to develop that idea. And then on the other hand, you have um, like on my past experience in marketing teams in which sometimes we, or not sometimes, a lot of the times we lack substance, but we're great at putting all sorts of fireworks and shiny things in the presentation. Um, so I think neither of them work. You need to find a good balance in order for a project to move forward, because if you have a great presentation, but you don't have a great project well, then what is the point of doing whatever it is that you're doing right and you're trying to achieve? But on the other hand, if you have a great project, but you're not able to communicate it in a way that everyone is on the same boat and on the same page and has the same mission and vision, then everything gets lost in translation and then the project ends up sort of like a Frankenstein thing that no one really understands. And that's when um, frustration, misunderstandings, things on top of one another um, happen. So, yeah, that's that's what I think. It, it, it should be a balance. And I think it's a problem. And um, I don't want to go, you know, back in time <laughs> to my problem. But I think it's it's also a problem of if you look at how education is, is based, you know, we study in university roles and in school. Uh, we we cater our education to a specific thing that has value in the market in order for us to obviously make a living, right? But 
we're not expanding our knowledge to anything else. Back in the day when universities weren't founded centuries ago, you could be a science person, but you could you were also a humanist. You studied history, you studied arts, um, and the same the other way around. You could be a humanist, but you you had some sort of knowledge on what was happening in the science world, right? Uh, I don't believe that's the case anymore. And I, I think that is really the key to the problem is that people that go into sciences or they become developers uh, or programmers or whatever, they they lack, and it's not their fault, you know, it's, it's just how the system is set, right? Um, they lack that other point of view in order for them to think outside the box and be creative and and have empathy to look at the other team's points of view that being um marketing and anything that has to do with storytelling and and selling the project to not only the external world but the company itself and it's the same for people that study journalism television communication marketing they are so into their own worlds that they are so focused on delivering the message that they're not able to think outside of their own little box and they're not thinking of what's at stake technically wise. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to what I said because I went all the way back. But uh, but yeah, I think it's it's a bigger issue and I think it's up to each and every individual to um, be brave enough to think outside the box and open their, their minds to new things and ask questions. Nice. What, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an... Uh... A tough question, and uh, when I when I thought about that, um, I I think maybe is it could be useful to to set a context where we try to to kind of uh, decide what of between substance and presentation, and I'm not sure if I'm maybe um, uh, not answering the question if I replace the, the words with uh, quality and quantity, maybe? Because when I tried to apply this question to my context, uh, I felt those two uh, were more appropriate. But the point is, maybe we can think about two uh, situations. Like, one could be you are you are building a new workflow or you are building a, a, a prototype, a pre pre pre-production version of some game mechanic and another could be you are consolidating and imp improving an existing workflow or you are fine-tuning the last piece of 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 your game so in these two contexts maybe you can think that you if you are creating something new and you are not sure about if you are doing the right thing then you want to prioritize substance you want to prioritize quantity because you are looking for a quick feedback. You want the other to let you know if you are going the right direction. And so presentation is less important because it's not the time where you have to put the attention on this. And it, it could be also a strategy because in that way, you are going to guide the, the person giving you the feedback uh, on what is important for you. Because if the presentation is not so so relevant, maybe they will not comment on that. They will focus on what you need. Instead, if you are polishing or if you are improving something that, that is already there, then when you are delivering this to the 
to the users or to, to the person that will consume the content, maybe the fact that is as possible as possible, that is well presented is more important than making big step or making big addition to what is there, because in that case, you want to preserve the existing, um, existing feeding, the existing, um, approach the person as in consuming the content on in using the workflow, but at the same time, we want to add the extra piece that maybe moves to a next step. So maybe this way you can, you can look at these two pieces of the creative process and, uh, and adapt some strategy. But wouldn't you agree? I definitely see your point, uh, especially when you're creating a new thing. Um, you, you want it to be straight to the point, especially for the team that is handling that project, right? From scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, however, if it's something that you're creating and it's relevant for the evolution of the project, that is also going to affect the way that project or the way that game is perceived outside. So let's say you are making, um, a really big improvement on your engine and that's going to mean that there's an improvement in graphics or whatever other thing, right? That's going to be a really important piece of information for marketing and PR in order for them to sell it. So I'm not saying by presentation, I guess I interpreted that as in you present it internally in a way that your message is conveyed in terms of the importance of whatever substance it is that you are developing. Yeah. So they can work. They don't need to know the details, right? But if you communicate it in the right way, the rest of people that are not focusing on developing it can understand the importance and the value of it. So they can build a narrative around it and help push all the hard work that all the technical people are doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree on that. And, uh, uh, the way I look at this, uh, thinking about your example, that we are presenting even internally or externally a new feature of the engine. When we reach this stage, for me, is like for the development team, we reach at the end of the, the cycle. So then, yes, we are already in a, in a phase where we need to uh, right. work on the presentation because the prototype phase that is where instead, instead substance is important for us is already completed. Is was much, much before. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, my point was, I was trying to give some way to work with the two because I guess, as you say, the gray area is a gray area and and I think it's, it's it's good that it's like that because in each moment having a bit of the two is is important equally important then you can tweak how much you want to give importance to one of the other based on the context right that is my point for sure i think it's a good it's a good topic it's a big topic but i can for, for example i can say like so uh, a lot of games are also cr crossing into like social media nowadays and if you look at like uh, I, I think it's tiktok or instagram the most watched videos are cat videos I mean, we could discuss here, like how how important is that content, or how subs, um, uh, the substance of that content. Like it's it's. I mean, it's more or less crap. I mean, it's, and hey, we have to be honest. So so, but that's an interesting fact. The most watched videos are 
a lot of times doesn't have the, the deep substance. They're not like political interviews or deep thoughts. They are funny. Uh, and it depends, I guess. Well, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. I, I just wanted to interject and say it depends on how you. I realize now that this this question has isn't narrowed down enough, right? Because you could also formulate it in a way uh, where you would ask someone like what you're doing versus how you're doing it, yeah. right? That's another dichotomy, I guess. It's but like we have to, I guess, define what substance is in order to for us to kind of progress in the conversation, right? Because I would push back on, you know, uh, it's easy to write off cat videos as this empty kind of um, temporary escape. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But but it but it's obviously communicating something, right? And it's becoming successful in that. You also have a lot of YouTubers that are super successful because of their presentation, because of the way they talk, because of the way they do their thumbnails, because of the things that they put in, like scrolls, scrambles, and there's switch and smarts, and there's cool sounds. But certainly deeper down, at least you find someone that really knows the frostbite, and you'd have like a great tutorial. But there you have like this little boring to set Right. But I think a lot of the times we we underestimate that type of content because there is substance underneath it's just that the, the presentation is so flashy that you know if you just take a, a, a peek I mean I'm, I'm just going to follow the example that, that you gave with TikTok everyone and their brothers thought you know TikTok is going to be temporary stay with the pandemic um, it's just quick videos of people dancing and I mean Google is fearing because TikTok is becoming a great search engine for Gen Z's worldwide. And there is social revolution there. There is conversations happening. Um, and yes, there's also the fun dancing videos and whatnot, but but that also has a substance on its own and it has a purpose. Uh, so I wouldn't undermine that. And it's the same with YouTubers. Uh, you know, why do we watch vloggers, daily vloggers on YouTube? What is the reason? Like, what is what is the substance on that? Everyone makes their own interpretation of that, right? Regardless of the presentation. But I do think even cat videos or dog videos have a substance on its own. Yeah, there's a more question of ordering. Like, you have to have an order, but you miss most personally mm. something in the center. To right. You're going to you get to the substance. Um, let's move on to Ludovico. Can you give a bit of context and ask your question for me, please? Yeah, sure. So, um, mine was a super long question, but, uh, when I was thinking about, uh, roadmap and vision and strategy, I immediately reconnected with what is our context, uh, every day. I mean, we are, Frostbite is an engine used to create uh, a different variety of games and and at the same time is also uh, an engine for uh, a specific subset of game. It's not a public engine. We are building the game, the, the engine for the electronic arts game. So we we serve our customers. And and and, and with this approach, uh, we um, we are often uh, creating a roadmap based on the requirement, based on the needs. But at the same time, uh, we are also uh, uh, working to stay aligned with the evolution of the technology. Just thinking a couple of years ago, we we have the, the new generation of console that that, that has put the, we, that uh, entered the market and 
it was important for us to support those cons those uh, those generations and those consoles. So it added the support requires a lot of effort in developing technology. So because the number of the number of um, resources is limited, there is always the struggle between you need to support customers, you need to give them what they need, but at the same time you need to develop the technology to 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 stay ahead of the of the tech. So how do you combine the two in a in a vision in a way that let you develop, let you support the customer, and be happy at the end of the day? And I would say, Ines. I was look for you. I mean, all right. <laughs> I guess, I guess, the, I guess the struggle can be also apply when you are developing a game because uh, gamers are customers and they have, um, they kind of have uh, needs. They kind of have something they like. So you want to build something maybe that is appealing for them, but at the same time you also also innovate. You don't want to be confined with what the the industry seems to push at the moment, so right. maybe it can be translated. I mean, the way the way the question was framed, it makes technology sound like this big monster that is here to just crush everything, right? For me, technology, and I, I need to be pragmatic about it, it's just a tool. And I think that technology should never define what it is that you're trying to do with your project and every time there is um, new technology coming in, whether that is in the engine or somewhere else, I always ask myself, how could we use this to enhance the player's experience instead of, I need to make this new technology adapted to the project right away because otherwise we're going to be outdated. I tried to phrase the question the other way around, how can this work in our advantage, and, and that goes with anything, right? Um, not only with technology. I mean, look at look at marketing with TikTok. It's the same. Uh, I think a lot of companies refused to use TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram at the beginning because it seemed unfamiliar. Um, they couldn't work with the technology. Others jumped straight away without really having a purpose to it. But in the end, it's just a matter of, okay, let's just get familiar with whatever it is that is new in the playground and how can we use this in our advantage and i think in order for you to be able to be fast enough but also um, work it in your advantage yet again it's important to have an open mind it's important to stay curious and it's important to nourish that in your team you can have someone pressing buttons i think uh, philip said i'm just i don't do motion uh, what, what, what did you say? Motion something, whatever you know, what, cinematic. What I'm not in a mocap suit. Yeah, exactly. Like you're, you're not in a mocap suit. You're, you're just there in front of the computer. Like it, that might sound um, disencouraging for many people. But I think if you keep yourself curious and open-minded enough to search, always be searching, always seek for any knowledge that you, you know, whatever it is that you're curious about or whatever you want to learn about, regardless of doesn't need to be game related that shapes your your brain and the way you think your train of thought in a way that it's going to help you find solutions faster but also be brave enough to think outside of the box uh, as a leader however in your team not only your job is to nurse that 
but to be supportive and take risks because in the end you are held accountable for that, right? Whatever it is that your team decides to do, you're held accountable for those decisions. Um, but you need to trust that you are taking care of them well enough that they trust themselves that they're doing the right thing and that um, they're you're following through, if that makes sense. Because I always go one or the other. I'm like a Spanish parrot. You ask me one question <laughs> and then I go the other way. <laughs> No, no, it was perfect. Uh, Philip, can you jump on that? Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I guess uh, what I'm tempted to do is kind of go a bit full circle and endeavor to answer my own question <laughs> in, in, in answering yours as well. Um, right. So in, it all comes down to aligning on what are you trying to accomplish? Like what what is the thing yeah. you're trying to do? Um, and kind of answering, you know, we, we have those three basic questions, the, the what. Uh, the why and the how, right? If we can answer those three questions, we can formulate a vision. Um, and in order to kind of, the strategy that I would kind of implement in order to stay aligned over a long period of time, because games, I mean, we're on a three and a half year cycle or something like that. So it takes a lot of time and and we want to maintain a steady course throughout the whole the whole thing. And, and um, having new technology presented to us mid-production uh would sometimes pose a question like is this something we want to include uh, and and if and if it is then then why would we want to include that exactly. and then the question becomes after you answer that question you'd go okay but how would we go about doing it then right mm. uh so i guess keep reaffirming the the original answers to those three questions um mm. Which leads me back to substance versus presentation, right? Yes. I all I, I the older I get, the more I lean into substance, right? Because presentation we can always massage and we can get it to a place where we want it to to get because like we're surrounded by very talented people that have massive skills in visual presentation as well. But substance uh, should inform presentation, and without having that substance, we can't really make a an informed decision. Uh, regarding like presentation, a, it's like a marriage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one precedes the other. One precedes the other. We can't present something unless you know what you want to present, mm. right? Like yeah, I I completely agree with you, Philip, and that and that takes me back to how is this new piece of technology or this new tool beneficial to us? So that is the first question you need to answer. Is it useful or not? Is it going to make it better? Yes. Okay. What are the resources? Are we able to do it now or later? I can make the, what is the priority? I can maybe take a practical example and maybe it's lame, but we changed from going from the classic Photoshop to um, Figma uh, some time ago. So doing UI designs and doing mockups in in, uh, in Figma then. So that was based on three uh, fundamental ideas about having like a long-term vision is that you should be able to scale all the design scale up the production, scale up the files, scale up everything, and also being able to share. So everything should be shared within the team. You should be able to work on things together, like instantly, and, and then be like very transparent about all the work. So a director can jump in and see someone the designer, what is the ring. Um, so just based on those two things, we were able to really um, find a more, uh, again, workflow that suited like our vision, so to speak. That's interesting though, because it seems to me like you're describing two different categories of benefits, right? You have the the known ones, like the scalability of things. Obviously, this solution is more scalable than this other solution, 
that is a known. Uh, what, but, but what do we do with the fact that we can scale now? That that becomes like a potential benefit over time, which is kind of it's an interesting distinction to make. I feel like uh, because we it's a really great example of uh, a very concrete tool, and you can argue well, somewhat successfully in your case that you should make that shift, right? Even if you occur uh, a tech debt, because now you have to there's probably plugins and pipelines that need suggesting, right? There's like a lot of back end work. That needs to happen for that to be up and running to the same capacity that the old system was, but the potential or the promise of future uh, benefits outweighed all those all those things. How do you estimate <laughs> if it's worth it or not if you have that many unknowns? And it's and I guess the same goes for improvements in in the game engine, right? Um, mm. You could argue like introducing this feature would increase flexibility when working on. on I know you guys do a lot of first-person shooters, right? Uh, I can actually, I, I have an example of that uh, that just happened for this uh, winter update that we had uh, on Star Stable. So a few years ago, and I wasn't a part of Star Stable, but we did a podcast about it, so I know the whole thing now. They decided that they wanted to bring snow in Jorvik, which is the island in which uh, Star Stable takes place. And... They wanted to do it so badly, and they had this new tool, and so they did it, and then the players hated it. They just couldn't, and they were like, take it away! We can't stand it! And it was because, yeah, the technology to make it was there, but they weren't ready for it. And the team wasn't ready, sorry, not the players. The team wasn't ready to make it great, even though the technology was there. But they prioritized technology over what the players needed at the moment and that backfired obviously but because they're such a great company they <laughs> they listened to the players they took it away and they took three four years I'm, I'm not even sure how long it took but it took it took many years and they finally <laughs> yeah and and they they finally brought it back this winter and they love it now because everything that was supposed to happen um, resources-wise to match the technology that was available back then was um, was uh, at the right level, right? So now they were able to do it, make it right, and have an entire narrative around it, and players just can't get enough of it, right? So, um, yeah, that's to, that's to go to Philip's point, I guess, that... Uh, sometimes you just have to uh, hold on and try to prioritize whatever is important for for the players and and to uh, develop the game in a way that it makes sense to you, but it also makes sense to the players because you don't want to spoil something just because you want to be ahead of everyone else and be the first one to use whatever technology, right? I think what Luigi was bringing up here is actually extremely important because we live in this time where things are changing extremely fast. There's like a new tool coming out every day, a new way to do animations. There's AI. We can hire you guys. You can use, uh, you know, um, AI for concept art and never change your entire pipeline. Have people with great creativity instead of just searching things in certain databases to get, you know, so, so something about the mindset just being, okay, we have to have this really 
state the goal and what we're trying to achieve here, and then you know be be open for these two changes. Okay, let's we have to uh, you know, uh, accept that the things we had is old. This is like crap. Why why stick to it? You know, let's just jump on this new train. And that's uh, that's tough if you, especially when working in the industry for 10, 15 years, and you're like, oh, so I used to work this way and use these tools. And... Hmm. So sometimes you you cannot because when when the, the adoption of something is giving you access to a market that you cannot miss, like for example, in this case was the new generation of console, it's not possible that your game is not there, then you need to balance the work of supporting and at the same time moving everything there. Uh, so sometimes it's, it, it, you are forced to that and you need to make it work. But I guess there are, I think the point about recognizing when the context is mature enough or is ready to move to an, a piece of tech or move a new workflow, that, that is an interesting one because sometimes um, the tech side of our industry is not ready to look at adoption in that way. Like we want to just push tech out of the door because we feel is is cool, but we don't think about the impact of content creators that then need to use the tech. Maybe they are not ready. Maybe it's not a good time, not the right time. So that that was interesting. Yeah, I think also uh, in my experience, when it comes to sometimes what can happen is that they're like, there's an order from up top, right? We need to have this, we need to support this feature. We need, I mean, it can come from anywhere above my head at this point, right? Publishing could step in and go, listen, you need to support this thing or this new, whatever, shiny new object that comes, comes online. I know crypto was one of those things and NFTs was another one, right? Mm. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a difficult thing because then someone has to stand up and say, "Hey, listen, no, I don't think we should do this," and and I don't know how common that is for someone to say, "Listen here, publishing person, uh, <laughs> request denied. Also, give me much money to make the thing." It's, it's a it's a difficult power dynamic there um, that that also needs to have like it needs to be included in the context. I feel like is that. I can imagine, and I've experienced situations where it's like, I nobody cares what I think about this thing, right? <laughs> I, you know, nobody gives a flying uh, foofy about it. I think suspect this big topic, the great, the big vision. I mean, from an investor point of view, they care about, you know, the big perspective. Like, we have to get this game on mobile. That's like super important. Like, ah, I don't want to get baby so... Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And here's my hot take on the top, on the subject. I don't make I don't make I don't make things for other people. I make them for myself. And I'm gonna echo a quote here for from Joseph, our our creative director. Uh, and uh, he, he's like, listen, be aware of your audience or your your user base or whatever you, your customers. Be aware of them, but not dependent on them. Mm. I feel like Mel that's a really wise distinction to make. M Melanie's raising her hand. I just wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted to say that that that's very it's a common problem on every industry. There's always uh, someone with a bigger ego. There's always going to be politics. There's always going to be this feeling of Game of Thrones, House of Cards situations. And I think that's why there's 
always going to be a need for great leaders that are able to maneuver that in a way that it doesn't it affects as little as possible everyone that is under them, right? That's that's the key, having great leaders that are able to be umbrellas for the rest that are actually trying to make things happen. Nice. All right, thank you. Um, Ines, can we move to your question? Yes. So since all the great questions were already put on the table, <laughs> I thought I might be a bit more general and talk about the gaming industry in general and how it affects our work. Having all this uh, recent layoffs in, in tech and in the gaming industry as well, and all the challenges that have been, um, that have happened in this past few months, which one, what do you think, or which challenge do you think is going to be the biggest? Anton, do you want to start us off? All right. Uh, first of all, very good question. Uh, and um, I think the great challenge will be that um, the gaming industry is still a bit close. Like, there's still a lot of gaming nerds. I decay. <laughs> no, that's cool. Let me I don't, I don't mind. But I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> uh, but in order to the gaming industry, the two and all, they have to open up to more industries. They have to be more artists coming in in, in different fields, uh, people into sport, people. Is it like get people from from other parts of the well you know they're starting to recruit from the it as well now but we have to open up even more i would say to get things to the next next step um and so there's a lot of cooperative structures that are getting a bit, uh, a bit stagnating i would say um so i think that would be that's i i would agree i i think um i think i would what i would say is finding competence that's going to be the big challenge uh, going forward, right? Because I think the industry is still bullish, right? We're going to keep growing uh, until the this generation or the people that remember when the first Nintendo system came out, like the 80s, 80s people, right? When they go and 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 uh, end up in in retirement homes and uh, place of Mario, that's when this industry as a whole will stop to grow, right? And all the way up to that point. So we're like 30, 40 years in the future. Um, but finding competence, you can already see, like you can go to insert random studios webpage, go to their career page and they're looking for someone. And it's constant. We're always looking for people uh, and it's really difficult to find. So I, I agree with Anza. We need to be better at opening up and branching out. Like Ines, you mentioned you're from the TV and film industry. And that happens to be true for me as well. Like I had a 15 year career in TV and film before I, I kind of pivoted into, into games. Um, and I, and, and I, I'm, I'm finding that there's a lot of confidence out there that we're not kind of bring into the fold because we're computer nerds. You see, you said to that group of, um, people from the game industry, investors in a room and you brainstorm around game ideas. That would be. <laughs> the paper is just terrible. But to bring, to bring that topic to like a, a bunch of kids in the kindergarten at six years old. <laughs> but I, I do agree with, with both of you and um I'm I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that um that will be the case that we we branch out. But just like in all industries, at first it's very specific and, and it's hard for them to let go. Um, and open their minds to, to something new. And that, that takes me back to even the first question <laughs> when we were talking about um, how 
people's brains are wired and uh, we are expected to learn and not look at other things, right? I think having a multidisciplinary mindset sets you up for success uh, in whatever you do, whether that is games or cleaning toilets, even whatever it is that, that you do in life. If you have a multidisciplinary mindset, you are set up for success because you will constantly seek knowledge in whatever um, commodity or topic it is, right? And that's that's going to help you to think outside the box and also be very empathetic with people that think different from you. So you're able to have that back and forth, learn and have, um, how do you say, like a, a collective thinking in which, yes, there is a purpose, there's a message and there's a common goal, but there's collective thinking. Everything that is built with different um, points of view or people from different backgrounds is always going to be better. It's always going to be more enriched and it's always going to lead to greater things. And I'm, I'm hopeful for that. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the few in, in, on Star Stable that uh, did not have gaming experience <laughs> before. And I actually did not work in, within the Star Stable online game the first months. I was working in their new business department, which was uh, the record label for music and, and books and animated series. And people that were developing the game or developing the game didn't even know what I was doing. And it, I made it my mission to make them understand that anything that we do within the Star Stable world, in this case, the Star Stable, of course, uh, matters to the player and matters to the importance and the brand and whatever product it is that you're trying to to sell and it's it's hard for them to see it because they think oh you know why are we doing books this is a game but it's it's brand development it's it's something extra that you're giving to the players and and the fans of of the game and it enriches the world and and on so many other levels that are just unmeasurable right yeah. it seems to me like we're we're kind of branching off a little bit and 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 in an effort to kind of bring us back because i don't disagree necessarily with anything you just said in this but i believe that there's like if you take any game studio, you you could feasibly you just work with me here. You could divide people into two groups. You have the the makers of things, right? right. The, you have your artists that are hands on creating content, right? And then you have managers or producers that are kind of in charge of making sure that things are happening in the right order, things are being prioritized uh, properly. And finding people to manage, I don't believe is the is the, is the challenge here. Um, finding people that create like yes we can move in from uh an adjacent industry like film and tv because what i do here essentially is the same thing like i'm working with visual storytelling but i can't be asked to code anything like don't put me in that spot because i won't be able to do that so finding competence for makers maybe this is the is the more specific you you may not know how to code but if you understand how coding works, then you're able to be creative within a framework that it makes sense to the project. And yes, but someone way, has to execute. That's the thing. Yeah, yes, of course. But I could go crazy in brainstorming and think, you know, I want to put this super Hollywood-esque idea in the game, but that's not technically possible. I think being creative just for the sake of it sometimes stops us from creating greater things. But if you work within a framework, yeah, I, yet again, I'm not a coder, I don't program. I have 
I mean, zero clue, right? But if I do my homework and I understand, I'm like, okay, I don't know how to code, but I know that the coders or the programmers of the game work within this framework and these are the limitations at the moment, right? Now, I know my limitations. I have my little books. How can I be the most creative within that framework so it makes sense to the project? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, it does. But we, we, I, what I guess, what I would like just flag for a little bit is we don't want to underestimate how deep that is. Like, I can do how much homework uh, yes, of life, of course. right? Uh, but I will not be able to sit down and execute what Ludo is doing, for example. That will never happen. Oh, and, you're, and, you're not, and you're not trying to, and you're not trying to. Um, no, 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 but if the challenge is to uh, absorb more competence from different industries, if that's the core challenge, finding people like Ludo is like finding a T-Rex underneath uh, <laughs> the, the church next door. Like, it's not going to happen. We still have wow. to foster these people, right? <laughs> uh, no, no, Ludo, jump in here, yeah. Yeah, no, I want to say it's interesting because when I approached this question, of course, I looked at how I solve the problem that the question is bringing on the table. But the funny part is that the answers that we shared here are kind of connected to my answer, uh, but from a different perspective. Because yes, I think one of the big handicaps of the industry is the struggle between the scale that we are asked to produce, because again, uh, Nowadays, uh, producing a game requires a really uh, big amount of production because we are uh, in a position where the hardware allow us to do that. But at the same time, uh, we have also limited time because the, the demand, the, the, the ask for be on the market as soon as possible is clashing with I need time to create all this content. Mm -hmm. So the biggest handicap is like, we are able to produce, uh, uh, I would say, the Ferrari, but we don't have the tools to make the Ferrari in time. And, and so the, I think the challenge uh, we face now is how we uh, evolve as an industry to be able to produce content that is uh, at the quality and at the quantity, so substance and, and presentation, in the amount of time that is compatible with what the marketing say. And, and, and this is connected with the fact that maybe we need to find a new set of competence uh, that we need to enter the, the industry. Like nowadays, a big trend is in procedural generation. And, and just during Christmas, there was this big trendy thingy about AI and everybody was going to the, the chat bot to ask questions and get answer. And the way it's amazing about the answer I also watched a video where there was a famous uh, uh, developer, C++ developer, that was trying to ask the chatbot about uh, complex C++ questions and getting answers and say, oh, it's really good to answer. My point is that maybe we need to be open to integrate in our industry new perspectives because there is the need of evolving our tools and then we, we will see where we go. So nice. It's interesting that I think all these yeah. are kind of connecting around. I must, I must say, one of my one of my colleagues is obsessed with that AI chatbot. 
yeah he was like yeah any any question he can get in that chat box he's i don't know if it's good or bad i'm not sure but yeah he he loves that um all right cool well last uh but definitely not least uh anton take it away mate sure uh my question is um how do you make sure not to lose track on your strategic plan vision and how do you communicate this this uh product vision with your team now when the team tend to be spread out and they're trying to have a lot of like online meetings so um do you like yeah. to uh... yeah i can start um so for for how do you assure to keep track of your strategic plan this is uh this is really important for us uh in the sense that um so the, the way we approach that is to integrate the strategic um, roadmap, the strategic planning into our uh, yearly release planning and making uh, clearly, stating clearly the commitment of delivering and then revisiting the, the, the evolution and, and uh, the confidence on this commitment uh, every, every six weeks. So in that way, you have the agile approach to validate if you are progressing toward um, what you set uh, uh, during the the, the, the planning, uh, and then we 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 stick with what we decided, and we tend not to change, uh, even though maybe the context is shifting a bit, uh, unless some some critical uh, some critical critical event is happening. Uh, that requires to, to to scratch the plan and make a new one. But um, um, I think in that way we are seeing good good um, results where uh, we deliver what we say. Then at the same time we are agile enough to agile enough to adjust what we do. And in terms of communicating the vision, I think in that sense I I really thought about that and. Um, Especially now that, as you said, team can be remote, so you are not anymore in the same room. You cannot really take the pulse of people. But I really like when, and it, it was a great example of how this was delivered to us. Uh, approach the the communication of the vision through telling a story. So you need, especially because you are remote, you need to think that you need to touch people emotionally, even if you are talking about a product. You need to sell your vision. You need to touch the heart of people and not just giving them number and you know scheduling of what to do. So if you buy the, 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 the heart of the people, even when you communicate the vision of a product, then you are making sure they are on board. And then you can let the product manager build the plan. But um, tell a story, make so that your vision is built around some sort of journey or something. I found be really, really nice way to present the vision. It's and kind of clarity, you know, that's nice. Mm, yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because it all goes back to the first question that, that Philip posed is substance or presentation. To me, presentation is also a matter of how you communicate the project in a way that everyone feels like they are a part of something bigger than life, larger than life, right? And that they're proud and honored to contribute to that. That is the only way um, that you're gonna be able to, success, to, to succeed, sorry, 
in whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. So is having a clear message is building a narrative in which everyone has a part to take on and, and also have the trust of people. You know, if you trust your team and, and everyone trusts you enough to be honest and say, yeah, we got it. We're on the same page. This is, this is great. Let's just make it happen. Um, as long as you keep an open and transparent communication, um, it becomes easier, you know, uh, but the hardest part of the job, I always say, is people. Regardless of all the technical difficulties, it's it's always people. You you never know what's going on in in uh, everyone's personal lives, and it does affect. So it is an art form to maneuver all of that in a way that it doesn't affect on a grand level or a grand scale, and whatever the project it is that you're working on, right? And I would say that you uh, have. Keep it, what is it? Kiss, right? Kiss. Keep it simple, <laughs> stupid, right? Yes. <laughs> make, make, make sure it's understandable at a, at, a, as, at a glance, right? I would go back to the three questions again, the, the what, the why, and the how. Uh, and, and because you can't get people excited unless they understand it. And so you have to tick that box first. Is this easily digestible sure. for anyone in the team? Um, and then... I love the idea of creating a narrative. And I think that's kind of what happens automatically when you answer these three questions. Could it, it gives you a starting point and it gives you an end point. And then the midpoint becomes like, well, what what do you create out of this, right? Exactly. It also gives you a, enough uh, leeway so that, that if something unforeseen happens mid-production, uh, you can still lean back and rely on those three questions. Um, and, 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 you know, having sprints, a lot of people work agile. Uh, we don't here. We have some sort of hybrid, weird, you know, uh, way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> I've never experienced it anywhere else. Um, even at working at Hangar 13, we were very kind of scrum and, and agile. Uh, um, but it all comes down to that simple first statement and then creating project pillars. Um, you know, uh, that, that so you kind of create this this kind of pyramid shape where you have this, these three questions at the very bottom, and then you let each department kind of make their own pillar statement or project statement that kind of aligns with that original uh, answer to that question. Uh, and, and that way you don't have to micromanage and that way you can get people excited and, and contributing. And, and, um, and then you can kind of just keep taps and make sure that they stay within that kind of, loosely defined box that that um that you defined early on for sure i mean that the the beginning is answering those questions like kiss right as you said and the end goal is whatever it is that you're trying to achieve but the magic happens in between and it's never a one man's job it's it's a collective um it's a collective work right it's a collective creative thinking yeah but also in it like force it into the project plan yeah absolutely present have it present on a weekly basis where like, what are we trying to achieve this week or however long your spring surprised that now when you bring that up, I haven't like I've been in so many projects where you tend to like go so down into the production and the details and forget them about that vision. Like, since no one steps really back and say, you know, let's take one day mm. after and like talk together because it was no one left to get like together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. We should talk with facts. Yeah. And conversation. Exactly. It's, cool. that, it's like that quote, like you, you, you're so busy with 
uh, trying to answer if you can that you, you don't stop to ask like should I like you know what I mean like there's a does it fit this whole like yeah it's really cool like what if we integrate fucking AI uh, NFTs and crypto all in one little package here yeah that's awesome but should you does it align <laughs> with this other stuff that we talked about a year ago you know what I mean yeah nice all right um i love the way that like we've had like different questions and stuff but we've come back to like all the others right so they were all like relevant and all connected to each other so i love that so just before we end the podcast i'd love to say a huge thanks to all of our guests for sharing their thoughts and opinions in today's conversation and once again our guests on today's podcast have been philip at hazelite ines at star stable anton at kogama and ludovico at frostbite if you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I am Melanie and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at melanie.lindsay at evolution-nordics.com or visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash SE. Thanks again to all of our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.